Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. All right, everybody. Hey, let's get into the word. I don't really have a lot of announcements. We just kind of recovering. No, I'm just kidding. After Easter, we don't have a lot of announcements, but you can always get online and get on the app and see things that are happening here at Tree, how you can be blessed and be a blessing. But I also want to just jump right in today because I'm kicking off a new series I'm really excited about, and it's called, um, what is it called? I Need a Miracle. I was like, what did I name that? I Need a Miracle. I'm terrible about series names. I'm terrible about individual titles. It always changes. I came up with this title a while ago because I felt that's where God wanted to go. And then as I've been studying out the message for today, I'm like, I don't even know that it fits. But um, I believe God's just gonna speak to all of us. Here's what I know, that we all live in a broken world. A lot of things going on in our life and wherever you are right now, there's just things happening. Maybe you're doing great, maybe you're challenged, but here's what I know. God is a big God. God is a miracle working God. God has a plan and purpose for your life and he has the power to get you there if you'll work with them. And so I wanna take uh, today and really set us up. To be honest with you, I'm just launching the series. I'm setting you up because if we're gonna talk about miracles, and we are, I think it's important for us to understand that God still does them. Amen, aren't you glad God still does miracles? And he is looking for people that will believe him. Now here's the challenge in a series like this, or at least the initial message, because we're gonna talk about faith. And we're gonna talk about exercising your faith. And that's always a little bit of an interesting place as a pastor because we are faith people and we are a faith church, amen? This is, you guys go to one of those faith churches, that Tree of Life a Faith Church? Absolutely, absolutely we are. And some people love that and some people get turned off by that. Because sometimes I hear things like, well, I believe God to do this and it never happened. You know, I was believing for this and why is this happening in the world today? And all I wanna say to that is, I don't know. <laughs> but I know God's a big God and a faithful God and a miracle working God. And I choose to believe that he is the God of the impossible. And I choose to believe that he's a whole lot wiser and smarter than me. And I believe it's worth the risk to believe in him, amen? I believe it's worth, what do you have to lose? And you have everything to gain to believe that in God. But I know that we have natural things that we deal with. I know that we're human and flesh and we wrestle with circumstances and what we see and what we feel and what we're experiencing. And it's hard at times to believe beyond the moment. It's hard to believe beyond the emotion. It's hard to believe beyond the circumstance. So how do I get to that place of faith? And so I know, I, I mean, I've taught messages. I hear messages. I know this can be a challenge. And, but I want you to just, I want you to open up today and receive what I feel God has for us. I'm, I'm gonna take a look at faith and believing from maybe a different angle that maybe you'll feel a bit more connected with. Because I think generally the challenge for you and I is we're looking for the spectacular and we're looking for the, the big miracle, the miraculous, and when we don't get it, we get disappointed or it doesn't happen the way that we want or think or hope. We can wrestle with that sometimes and we can fall into doubt and uncertainty. But I think sometimes we just got the, the outlook, our perspective wrong. I think we're looking a little differently at it than we should, than, than, than he ever meant for it to be. But we have to have something to believe in, bottom line, amen? I mean, we live in a world today that that's hard. People don't believe in anything anymore, it seems like, right? I remember when your word was your bond, right? I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember people talking about that. Right? I remember when your handshake was good, right? We believed in something then. I remember, and I'm old enough for this one, that when we believe more in patriotism than politics, that should've got a bigger amen right there because today, we need something to believe. I, I remember, and I believe, in faith over fear. I believe that 
You're innocent until proven guilty. We used to believe that, right? We need something to believe in. I believe that God is real. I believe the church is relevant, even if the world would say it's not essential, right? We have to have something to believe in. We need, we need a truth to stand on. And, and the truth is the truth, not the world's truth. We need an anchor for our belief system, which is being attacked all the time. We need something to believe in. I, I believe that we, we serve a God that's real and works miracles today. I, I believe that it's more about the creator than the creation. And I believe we're in a world today that will elevate the creation above the creator. We need something to believe in. We need to believe in God. And that's what I wanna focus on today. I wanna prepare you for the rest of the series. I wanna drop an anchor if you'll let me do that today, if you'll grab a hold with me in your life with something to believe on the truth in God's word. So I wanna take a look. I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna start in John 20. You can turn there for me. And here, let me set it up for you real quick. So last week was Easter and we had an amazing service, amazing time. We talked about many characters after the resurrection. Jesus visited Mary was the first one and then he visited Thomas and then he visited Peter. And when I landed on Thomas and studying Thomas out, I felt there was more for me to study and investigate in his life. I'm fascinated by characters in the Bible. So I spent some time digging into Thomas a little bit. I wanna develop him out some for you today. Because unfairly to Thomas, we even joked about it last week, we know Thomas is forever known as Doubting Thomas, right? That poor guy, right? But we could all be there, like, I mean, I had times like Thomas that I doubted. I could be, we could be, I could be doubting Don, right? You could call me that. Don't, please don't. And uh, that's bad for a pastor, by the way, and uh, <laughs> of a faith church, right? And uh, so, but I want to look at Thomas's life because Thomas wasn't always a doubter. In fact, when you look at his story, we'll see that Thomas could be called Thomas the Committed because he, like the other 11, then gave up and followed Jesus, gave up. He could be called Thomas the Dedicated because he had a wife and four kids and he still followed Jesus. He, he could be called Thomas the Courageous, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But let's look at Thomas, because at some point in time, obviously, as we talked last week and for what we all know him to be known as, he had a crisis of faith at some point in time, and that's what I wanna talk about today. And today, we know everything's under attack, and there's only one truth that we can drop an anchor on, and that is the truth of God's word. We have to believe in God and who he is. The question today is, what do you believe? You know, let me say this this way, because if you are Jesus' Savior and Lord, then you're a believer. Because <laughs> the only way to heaven is to, by, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and you shall be saved. A believer, you gotta believe in something. If we all can believe in that Jesus is God's Son to, sent to die for us, and a relationship with him gets us access to the Father and to heaven, believing doesn't stop there. It just really starts there. But we have to anchor our belief in who he is. So we need to reestablish what we believe in because it seems like today, Christians, if you will, the church, if you will, I don't mean that derogatory, but it can be you know, taken a bad way. We, because church is talking like the world and the world is talking like the church and it's kind of hard to tell between the two, just to be quite honest with you. So we need to be anchored in God and who he is and our belief needs to be associated with that. You know what the world does? The world says, prove me there's a God. And that can be our struggle at times, can't it? And I say, can I just say this this morning? God's not one to be proven, he's one to be revealed. 
It's not like you can get a microscope open and try and you know, get all your empirical data and create this big thesis about God. And people do that. And do you know that when you watch the science of it all, it ultimately all proves that there's a God. <laughs> no matter how much they try and disprove it, right? But God's like, I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to explain myself. I just reveal myself. He is. Let's take a look at Hebrews 11.6. Oh, I'm sorry, I need to read uh, John for you. I told you to turn to John, right? We gotta go there first. Let's take a look at that first. Hey, can I just say, we're not always gonna get it right, but we're always gonna get it real. We're gonna be real today, okay? So, <laughs> all right, let's start in John 20. Here we go. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, if you wondered. What's that word mean, twin? And one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said the thing you would imagine he would need to say, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side, stop doubting and believe. To which we initially would think that's kind of a correction or a scolding, but I wanna look at it differently today. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God, after that exchange with Jesus. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Believe, believe, believe. We need to believe. We need to believe what? We need to believe that he is. Hebrews eleven six. now let's go there. And without faith or believing, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe. You come to God, you must believe. Believe what? Believe that he exists. Believe that he does power, wonders, miracles. No, 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 you need to believe that he exists. Well, yeah, but what about the supernatural when I need something in my life? No, 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 you need to believe that he exists. That's great, but you just need to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Believe. Believe, believe. John 13, 14 through 18. Just as Moses lifted up, referring to a story in the Old Testament, but just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up on a cross, that everyone who believes, 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 may have eternal life in him. Everyone who believes, everyone who believes. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes, believes in him, believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to be the galactic policeman, to put handcuffs on you, to beat you, to throw you in jail, to execute you, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes, believes, believes in him is not to be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God his one and only son, believe. Whoever, not so whoever can preach, not whoever knows the Bible well, not whoever can sing, not whoever goes to church every Sunday, not whoever gives tithes and offerings, not whoever, whoever, whoever believes. It's whoever believes, it's whoever believes. It's whoever believes. And you need a truth to anchor yourself to, something to believe in, otherwise you're just tossed to and fro, the Bible says, by every wind of doctrine, and the next big thing that comes around or someone that seems like they know more than you, it's whoever believes. And I wanna say it's important to have, be anchored in the truth because believing the truth is important. Faith is important. I wanna say this, faith is the currency of heaven. Just like the dollar is the currency here, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what God uses to transact business 
Romans 4, 3 says this. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham lived in the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't come and been the sacrifice and died and rose from the grave and sent the Holy Spirit. So the way that Abraham was given access to the Father was his belief in him. And God said, you give me your belief, I'm gonna give you my righteousness. You'll be in, my, in right standing with me. It was the transaction between Abraham and God. And God said, give me your belief and I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you right standing with me. It's the currency of heaven. I love that picture right there, that exchange with God. If I was the devil, and I'm not, no matter what you see on social media, I'm not. If I was, and I was out to destroy you, which is what the devil does, he comes out to destroy you. If I was the devil out to destroy you, I would not spend a lot of energy fighting your morality, your mentality, or your anxiety. I would fight your faith. Because faith is the currency of heaven. Because if you don't believe, you can't have a relationship with God. If I can attack your faith, I don't need to attack anything. Well, the devil's after attacking my health. No, he's attacking your faith. He's attacking my finances. No, he's attacking your faith. He's attacking my marriage. No, he's attacking your faith. As Hebrews eleven six, 6, we already read, said, if you don't believe God, that you can't enter in, because without faith, it is impossible. Faith is the currency of heaven. We see this in Hebrews eleven one. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. It is exchanged. Your faith is exchanged. I can give it to God for what I need in my life. I can give it to God. So if the enemy uh, wanted to come and bankrupt you, he wouldn't touch your money. He would touch your faith. Because if you went bankrupt yet still had faith, you could exchange that with God. And you could find Jehovah Jireh, right? So the enemy would come and attack your faith because then he could bankrupt you. Let me say it this way. If I take your faith, prayer doesn't have a leg to stand on. If I take your faith, you won't have peace. If I take your faith, you won't have joy, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. If I take your faith, you will not have victory. If I take your faith, you will not walk in power. If I take your faith, you'll have no confidence. If I take your faith, you'll have no comfort when grieving. If I take your faith, you're weak. The enemy comes against our faith. What do you believe? It challenges what you believe. James 2, 23 says this, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We already read that in another scripture, but it goes a little farther and says, and he was called God's friend. What do you believe? Our faith is in a crisis in the world today. Thomas, his faith was in a crisis. Here was 12 men who started walking with Jesus and they believed in him. They walked off their jobs and walked with Jesus because they believed in him. They walked away from their families because they believed in him. They walked away from their familiar, what was familiar to them because they believed in him. They followed him for three and a half years because they believed in him. They thought he was bringing the kingdom because they believed in him. They thought he would overthrow the Romans. They believed in him. They thought he would be their king on earth. They believed in him and they thought that they would be seated next to him in his government. They believed in him. They followed him for three and a half years but halfway through the journey, he started talking about dying. 
They're talking about all this power and the coming kingdom and all these things. They're seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts shifting and he starts talking things like, he goes, this temple is gonna be broken down and destroyed, but it'll be rebuilt in three days. They're like, what is he talking about? Jesus would say things like, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it won't produce. And why is he saying things? Why Why is he talking about death? All of a sudden now, do you notice that Jesus is like, every time we sit down and talk, he's talking about death or dying? Why is he talking about death or dying? Like, hey, we're bringing this kingdom here. It's, it's this conversation now has changed. They must have wondered, what is he talking about? He's never talked about that before. Why all of a sudden talking about dying? Death was not in their plan. We're, we're, not, we're not planning for death. We're, we're planning for your kingdom to come. And they didn't understand why Jesus kept talking about death. But here's what they knew. Even though everyone was against him in that day, the Roman Empire was against him and and the the religious leaders were against him, but the 12 disciples were not afraid because they knew he had power. Why are you talking about death when you got power? We're not afraid of the Romans. We're not afraid of the the religious crowd because you have power. They They weren't concerned about it because they knew they had seen his power. They weren't afraid because they knew he's got power. Because they'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him calm the storm. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him multiply loaves and fishes to feed five plus thousand. They knew he had power. And yet, when they came to arrest him in the garden, he didn't say a word. He let them take him without a fight, without a struggle. And he had enough power to resist, but he didn't do anything. It was like he turned into this lamb and they couldn't figure out why. They beat him like a criminal. They whipped him, they put a cross on his back, they made him carry the cross up this hill to the top of a hill called Golgotha where he would be crucified. And most disciples ran away and Peter had already denied him. But one disciple, only one disciple said, I must go and die with Jesus and that was Thomas. But you don't hear that today. (laughs) The one who said, I must go and die with him was Thomas. He wasn't always doubting Thomas. John 11, 16, New Living Translation says, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go, guys. Come on, boys, and let's go die with Jesus. And I imagine he turned around, they were all gone, right? (laughs) He wasn't always doubting Thomas. Maybe he should have been courageous Thomas. Committed Thomas, dedicated Thomas. He was prepared to go with Jesus and to die. And Jesus went like a lamb to the slaughter, the Bible describes, and he never opened his mouth. He didn't do any of the miracles, release any of the power that they had seen as they followed him, and they saw it over and over again. In fact, it was as if he had lost his power. What's the explanation then? He has his power, maybe he doesn't have his power anymore. And he laid down on the cross and he laid down and gave his life because no man could take his life, he gave his life. He gave it up. They nailed his hand and his feet, they stuck a spear in his side and they lifted him up on the cross. And then they heard Jesus say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And can you imagine A disciple that saw three and a half years of power knew that he could call anything at any moment in time and then all of a sudden he doesn't, he keeps his mouth shut, he goes as a lamb to the slaughter, but you know at any moment this is a man of power, but maybe he had lost his power, now all of a sudden he cries out, why has God forsaken, why have you forsaken me? And maybe they would say to themselves, well if God has forsaken him, why should I follow him too? What happened? Why should I stay with him if God left? 
And the faith had come to a crisis, a place of uncertainty. What do we do now? How, how, how do I go home and tell them that maybe he wasn't who I thought he was? Maybe, maybe he can't do what I thought he could do. How, how do I explain to my wife and four kids that I spent the last three and a half years following someone who died like a criminal? Most disciples ran to a room and hid in fear for their lives. And Thomas maybe would say, and I heard, I heard that Judas took his own life. And I heard there's even a rumor going around that someone stole the body from the tomb. Thomas has decided, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to say anymore. Why didn't he do something? Why didn't he stop it? Why did he let this happen? Why did he let this happen to me? And if you've ever had a faith crisis, this is how you talk. If he were with me, Why did this happen? If he were with me, how could this happen? If he were with me, didn't he care? Why did I lose my job if he were with me? Why did I get sick if he were with me? Why didn't I get well if he were with me? Why did they die if he were with me? Why did this happen? Is this even real? Is this even true? And the disciples gathered in fear for their lives. Except Thomas, John 20, 19 says this. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus came in that room in that moment. John 21, 12 through 14 says this. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appears to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. But Thomas wasn't there. Where was Thomas? Thomas was out someplace trying to figure out if he should believe or not. He was trying to figure out if this was real or not. This is not working. I don't know what I can do. I don't know if this is what I believe. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be here. I don't know if this fits any longer. And to all those who feel like you don't fit anywhere because you wrestle with your faith, for all those who don't know what to believe anymore, you feel like you're too much of the church to fit in with the world, but you have some of the world you don't fit in with the church because I'm wrestling with this in this place in between with my belief, my uncertainty. I know church, but I'm struggling with my belief. I don't know if I believe this anymore, and I can't go back to the world because I know that's not where I fit. And you have to know Thomas had to wonder, do I feel like I should be in Jerusalem or should I be in the upper room? I don't know where I fit anymore because they all believe they've seen him. I don't still believe that. I, I don't know where I fit to anybody in a crisis of faith, in a place of uncertainty and unbelief. You wrestle with, where do I even fit? Maybe, maybe Thomas was wrestling with that. And you believe it sort of, but you've got some doubts and some worry and your faith is in a crisis. And Jesus warned Peter about this crisis of faith. In Luke twenty two thirty one through 34, he says this, Simon, Simon, which is Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you, not just Peter, all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I prayed that your faith may not fail. He wants to sift you. He wants to separate you from your faith. Your tragedy, the trauma, The hurt and the pain are all there to sift you from your faith. And Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray that you don't deny me three times. I'm gonna pray that you don't do that. I'm gonna pray you have courage to stand up for me. He doesn't pray that, I'm not gonna pray that you don't fail. I'm not gonna, he prays that his faith fail him not. 
that even in the midst of the enemy trying to separate you from your faith or your belief, that that belief in you is anchored to something greater. Not that he wouldn't fail, not that he wouldn't deny him, he prayed that our faith wouldn't fail. But Thomas, Thomas was the one who said, I must go to Jerusalem and die with him. And he was not in the upper room. See, everyone is talking faith when you're walking on water. Everybody's talking faith when you're taking two loaves and five fish and feeding 5,000 people. Everyone's talking faith when a woman grabs the hem of the garment and gets instantly healed. But Thomas didn't know where he belonged in this moment. He doesn't know where he stands. And to all those who don't know where they stand, who are confused, who are uncertain, who are wrestling with their unbelief. And Jesus prayed for Peter not to lose his ability to believe. And he warned them, Satan desires to sift you. He wants to separate you from your belief, but I'm gonna pray for your belief. And there's something about that sifting that the enemy does to try and separate us from our belief or our faith. But Thomas was not in the room. But now Thomas had decided to go to the room, so there had to be something there. Thomas decides, I'm gonna go to the room, I'm gonna climb those steps, I'm gonna be, there had to be something there, so maybe it's not even a question for us if we, have, if we even have doubt or unbelief, it's a question of we're just in a crisis. There had to be something in Thomas that, led him to climb up those stairs and be in the room with the disciples. And they're sitting around, even though he was in the room, he was not part of what's going on, I believe. He was kind of off by himself because they were all talking about Jesus coming and Jesus being there and Jesus did this and Jesus said that and we were with Jesus and to a point he's kind of off by himself and in his mind he has to be playing. No, I saw him die, I saw his cold body, I saw them carry him here and finally maybe he got and said, enough! I need to see and put my fingers in the holes in his hands and where the spear pierced his side. I won't believe until that. And a week later, Jesus shows up as the disciples are gathered together again and Thomas was with them. And this is amazing to me because I can understand why Jesus would show up for 10 who believe. I can, I can imagine Jesus, why not? Hey, there's, the disciples are all in the room, the 10. Uh, Judas, you know, he took his life. Thomas hasn't been here. I, yeah, I, would, I can imagine why Jesus would show up for 10 who believe, but why would he show up for one who didn't? Why would he show up for the one who has doubts? Who doesn't even know if he belongs in the disciples? Who's wrestling if he should just go home and find his old job back if he can? Or should he still be a part of the disciples. Do I belong in the upper room? Do I belong in Jerusalem? With my doubt, with my uncertainty, where I'm at, this crisis of faith, I don't even know if I belong here, but Jesus shows up for the one. And this, as I was saying this, this is what wrecked me. Jesus came back for the one. And you know why it touches me so much? Because I've been the one. I've been the one. And I was standing here today and saying, I've been the one where my faith is, I've been in a crisis with my faith and I've had doubts and uncertainty. Yeah, I've been the one and Jesus has come for me. I've been the one who's wondered where he belongs because of his faith. I don't feel like I, I, don't feel like I belong in the world, but I don't feel like I'm, I'm here yet. I, I don't know, I had that crisis of faith. I've been that one. Have you been that one? Because I've been that one. I've been the one where he came for me and it wasn't because my faith was strong because it wasn't. And it wasn't because I was good because I wasn't. It wasn't because I was holy and I wasn't. It was because he is merciful. Because he is merciful even in your crisis of faith. 
where you don't know what you believe anymore because things are just against you or haven't worked out the way you wanted or hoped. You don't even know if you have faith anymore and you're at this place. Your unbelief is just overwhelming you. And I want you to know, even in your doubts, even in your fears, even in your uncertainty, you are so important to him that he will come for you. So Jesus appears for the one person who didn't believe and please, please listen to me and hear this. Jesus showed up not to show Thomas all his wonders. Jesus showed up to show Thomas all his wounds. Because here's where we wrestle with our faith. I don't know that I can believe in the impossible. I don't know if he can resurrect this. I don't know if the miraculous can happen. And we wrestle because we can't wrap our brain around the supernatural sometimes. So what am I attaching my faith to? And I believe in this moment as Jesus shows up to Thomas, he wasn't showing up in supernatural. He wasn't showing up all his wonder. He was showing up and just bearing his wounds. Thomas, not scolding him. Thomas, Look, look, look where they got me. They got, they got me right here in the hands, Thomas. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Put your fingers in these holes. And Thomas, oh, hold on a second. See right here? They got me right here, Thomas. They got me right here. No, I, it's okay. No, no, it's okay. Come on. Come on, put your hand right here. I got you. I got this. See, there's sometimes we just can't even I find, attach our faith or we can't even find something that we can believe for the impossible. But you know what? So he, he shows up and he shows us his wounds. And I may not be able to attach my faith to his power, but I can attach my faith to his pain. Because what is pain when his wound shows how much he loves me? Because sometimes we don't think we're deserving of a miracle, but his wounds say he loves us no matter what. Your faith doesn't have to be attached to the supernatural. It doesn't have to be attached to the wonders of God. It can be attached to the wounds of Jesus because I can identify with that. Because Jesus says, Thomas, here's my wounds, and I have outside wounds, but Thomas, you have wounds on the inside. And Thomas, I was wounded, so you didn't have to be. And I let them get me. They didn't get me. I, they didn't take me. I let them do this so I could get back up again so you can see. And then your greatest struggle and your greatest uncertainty that you can still make it. I came back and showed you my wounds so you would know, Thomas, that you can get back up again. Sometimes we struggle and wrestle with our faith because we feel it's like there's something that I could never believe for the impossible, but can you believe he just died for you? Can you believe that the nails that he took were for you? I can't relate sometimes with the supernatural, but I... I can relate to the, to the pain, to the wounds. I can't always understand the power, but I can understand the pain. I, I can't necessarily understand and attach to the wonders, but I can the wounds. And, and I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, but I know every single one of us can probably relate to his wounds more than we can to his wonders. And if that's your starting point, anchor there. Drop your anchor right there. As if he was here showing you his wounds and say, I took this so you didn't have to. Anchor right there. Believe that if you can't believe for the supernatural. That's okay. Believe in his pain and believe in his wounds and that what he took so you didn't have to. And I believe Thomas in that moment could relate, could identify. 
He's like, I can't believe in the impossible anymore. I can't believe in the supernatural. I saw you die. You were cold. You were buried. And Jesus is like, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Then let's just start right here. Give me your fingers. Give me your hand. So Thomas was able to drop anchor right there. In fact, probably dropped to his knees. He said, I believe. That I can stand on. That I can get back up with. That I can believe. You know what's amazing to me in Jesus' resurrected body, right? We're all waiting for that resurrected body. <laughs> Jesus is the only resurrected body that'll still have scars. Amen. We'll take that right. But it wasn't the beauty of the resurrection that Thomas could believe in. It was the brokenness of the crucifixion. So I don't know where you're at. You may be lost in the middle somewhere, bouncing back and forth. I know where I've been. I know I've been that one. But I want to encourage you today. If you struggle in your faith, attaching it to the beauty of the resurrection and the power and the wonder, maybe it starts today by dropping your anchor, your belief, and the brokenness of the crucifixion and the pain and the wounds. And if you can believe in that, you can believe in a miracle-working God. You can believe in a miracle-working God. And He is a good and faithful God. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.